0: Hello friend and welcome to the Chronically Well Podcast. I'm Callie Hunter, your host and today is a pop-up episode about grief. It's a topic that as humankind we all go through and yet it's so heavy that rarely do we talk about it. And. Due to some things happening in my life right now and in people's lives that I love dearly who are going through some grief, just unimaginable grief. I've been kind of, you know, sitting in this space of of grieving myself and just remembering what the grief was with my illness. And as I start to talk about it, on social media, on Instagram, so many of you have reached out with your own stories and your own pain, and I just thought it's time its time for a grief episode, so here we are. I did want to add to that those of you that are listening right now, you are my people. <laughs> you are my near and dear, you are the reason that I put this ridiculous equipment together and sit down and talk into a microphone by myself with... My neighbor is walking by on the street thinking I'm crazy, which by the way, if you hear cars going by, I'm sitting in my plant room right now. If you follow me on Instagram, you know that that is my, my heavenly oasis. I'm sorry if you hear cars, but I feel like this is my jam. So this is where I'm going to record from now on. So you might hear some cars and you can probably just sense the peaceful green of the plants. Anyway, what I was going to say is that if you're listening today, you're the reason that I have any content at all because when I got sick, I knew that I wanted to help people if I ever got through it. And so because of that, if, if you're listening today and you're interested in coaching, I have many sessions. I have some packages put together to go through these topics. Grief is one of them in depth and come up with a plan for you. If that's something you're interested in and you're listening today, just use a code podcast listener, and you will get 10% off any mini sessions, any coaching packages, anything that you want because I'd really like those of you listening to this podcast to get the best deal out of coaching because you're my peeps. So if you're interested in that, I have the link to coaching in the show notes. So we're talking about grief today and The thing is that I feel that there are a lot of lies swirling around about grief. Lies people tell us and lies we just kind of assume for ourselves. And I want to break those today. I want to bring them out into the light and I want to destroy them. So there are three main lies that I see as the biggest issues surrounding grief And let me just preface all of this by saying I am not a grief counselor, I am not a grief expert, but I have experienced it and I also am a researcher of research. So when I was going through my own grief and trying to understand it, I looked back to a lot of the research from people like Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, as much information as I could find on grief to help me navigate my own journey. So I'm trying to share some of that information with you today. Okay, so lie number one, we only experience grief when someone dies. Such a big lie. We experience grief anytime something we lose something we expected, anytime something that we love or something that we hoped for changes. We have to grieve what was in order to accept what is. And lots of times that changes so suddenly, so abruptly that it causes grief. When I was in graduate school, we had to take A class on grief. And oddly enough, it was through the communications department. It was for like speech and language students, but we took it with them. And I'm so glad because this class that seemed like it completely did not apply to what I was doing has honestly been one of the most helpful sources of information for me, even as I grieve today. The teacher of the class shared with us that her husband had had a stroke. The year before. And not only did she have the resources and the material, but her life experience taught me so much about grief. And that's really the first time that I heard about grief as something more than just the loss, not just the loss, because hello, immense loss when someone dies. But in addition to the loss of a life, grief can come up when we lose something we wanted something we loved, someone we loved. You know, it can happen. So in her case with her husband, he was a different person after the stroke. He couldn't talk. He couldn't move the way that he used to before. So in a sense, she lost her husband. He didn't die. But she had to grieve what it was that she thought life was going to be in order to accept life as it was now. She also gave us, you know, because a lot of us that were taking the class, we're going to be working in the schools and with parents and what parents go through when they find out that a child has a disability. And those are the things that, you know, I share with parents at meetings weekly. Your child has a learning disability. Your child has autism. These are not things that are easy for a parent to hear because every parent, when you find out, when the mo- the moment you find out that there is a baby in that belly, you start imagining what their life could be. You know, as much as you try to protect yourself and you don't want to go down that road, you imagine, you imagine what they're going to be like. You imagine them playing baseball or you imagine them putting on their ballet slippers or you imagine them playing with their hair. You do all of these things and you imagine what their life is going to be. And then if you find out that there's something that is different about them, something that's not typical. As much as you want to deny it, it kills you inside and you have to grieve what it is you thought the life of that child was going to be for what it actually is. And um, that's something I try to keep in mind as a school psychologist all the time. And it plays a role with illness too, doesn't it? So I know a lot of you listening today have a chronic illness or you have chronic pain or you have had some sort of trauma in your life that has altered what you wanted or altered what you thought life was going to be and that creates immense grief. So don't minimize it. Don't say, well, you know, they're not dead or, you know, at least they're still alive or yeah, true, good, gratitude awesome. But hmm, grief serves a purpose too. So don't diminish it and don't believe that just because someone hasn't died doesn't mean that you don't have to grieve this. Lie number two, there is a right way to grieve. There's been so much confusion about this. Friends, there is not a right way to grieve. Okay. The reason I believe there's so much confusion about this is Um, I brought up Dr. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross earlier. She is just, she is the goddess of grief research. So if you want to look into grief, if you're uh, an Enneagram 5 and you like to research these things, check out Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. There was a book that I, I read recently on grief and grieving that she wrote with another author and I can't think of his name right now, but I'll list it in the show notes. It's a great resource. It's more for people who are experiencing the grief of losing a loved one than the grief of finding out you're going to die. So the reason Elizabeth Kubler Ross came to all of this is that she was a hospice nurse and she noticed that with her patients that there was this similarity in what they would progress through as they found out they were dying and as they grieved the loss of their life um, as they faced death. And so she was able to put these into a framework. Now, what gets confused is that people assume that this is some sort of trajectory, some sort of plan that you must follow. And if you don't follow these steps and completely leave one step to the next, then then you are a failure and you are not grieving correctly. And you know what, you guys, I'm just really tired of formula-driven living. You know, the, I, I, there, there are some great books out there, there's some great resources, but the minute you put your mindset into a framework of living, you have limited yourself so much. You've really kind of betrayed your own self. So what Elizabeth Kubler-Ross is saying, and, and this is a quote from her, is that these are tools to help us frame and identify what we may be feeling but they are not steps on some linear timeline in grief. So she put these together. It's a way to understand. It's a way for us to look at those feelings that we have and be able to understand it and understand them and not to say, well, I'm, I'm feeling this. I'm feeling anger right now, but shouldn't I have already been past it? That is... Maybe one of the worst things you can do when you're grieving is trying to analyze it in that way. So that being known, knowing that you can progress through these stages in any order and any shape for any amount of time, and it's not wrong, I'm going to now explain these stages a little bit. I'm going to talk about them more within the framework of chronic illness, but again, these can be... These are felt when we lose a loved one physically, they die, or when we lose a friend, okay, they're gone for whatever reason, or we lose the idea that we're going to have a child that is typically functioning. Any of those situations, like I talked about before, apply here, okay? So the five stages, and we're just going to talk about them really quickly today because today is just meant to be a quick snapshot into these lies, breaking apart these lies of grief, but I do want you to have an idea of what the five stages are. Um, They're denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance, okay? And remember, not linear, okay? But typically, denial is the first thing experienced when you go through loss. Dr. Kubler-Ross says, there is grace in denial. It is nature's way of only letting in what we can handle. So if I go back to my interstitial cystitis diagnosis, I was most definitely in denial. You know, I accepted maybe-ish that I had a disease, but Even as I accepted that I had it, you would find me Googling, not really interstitial cystitis. Could it be something else? I didn't want to accept that I had a chronic illness. It was just way more than I could handle at that point in time. And denial is sort of a protection for us. So we think of it as this big negative thing at really each of these stages we look at and we think of as negative, but friends, they're not. They're there to actually help us and progress. And if there's one thing I can say too, and I wrote this in a post recently, grief is functional. It's not operational. So it's meant to have a function to do things to help us progress through. It's not meant for us to follow a prescribed list of to-do's. Okay, so functional, not operational. So denialist function is really there to let us be able to take in what we can handle. The next one is anger. We get angry, right? Because what we wanted, what we thought our life was going to be, for me, I thought I was going to have three kids and I was going to be able to play with them in the backyard without my body hurting. And I was angry because I would see moms who would, you know, be on their phones or, you know, ignoring their kids. And I knew they felt absolutely fine. And all I wanted was to be able to feel okay so I could play with my kids and not have it hurt. I was mad. I was mad about what I thought I deserved. Or if we've lost someone, we're angry because we didn't want to lose them yet. It's not fair, right? But anger can give us the function of anger is that it gives us strength. We might not feel like we can get through it, right? Like You lose somebody that you love. And I think the first thing that most people say is, I can't do this. I don't know what I'm going to do. Anger gives you the strength to keep moving forward. The next stage is bargaining. So these are all of the things that you can present to God, to the universe, to yourself, to try to make it right, to try to make it change. We still haven't given in yet. We're still trying to fight what it is that has happened to us. So, you know, when it comes to chronic illness, this looks a lot like, I will take every damn supplement I possibly can take to make this thing go away. And I'm not saying that the, again this is not a bad thing and it's really great to try and treat what it is that is happening to your body to start eating healthy to do everything that you can to heal this is not a bad thing but when it becomes an obsession and it becomes so much about what could I have done to not make this happen that's when it gets really hard <laughs> so if I can say anything about bargaining to make it as a function to help you through the grief is to have compassion on yourself in this stage and say, I know that I want to tell myself that I could have done something different, that I could have lived differently, or that I could have called this person and helped them before they took their life, or, you know, whatever it may be, if I had, or if I do this now, I can change, just take the pressure off of yourself, friend, it's okay. Okay. It's okay that you're thinking these things and it's very normal And because we're still trying. We're still trying to control and to change it. Just have grace with yourself on this step. Depression, Dr. Cooper-Ross says that grief enters at a deeper level here. So this stage also has been said to help us shut down our nervous system so that we can adapt to what's happening to us, right? So the anger, the sudden reaction, the trying to fight it, this is all very much when our nervous system is worked up and we are still in fight or flight mode. We are still trying to fight this terrible thing that has happened to us. We're mad, we're going to make it change, this is not what's happening. When you get to depression, I know that it feels terrible, but you're actually in a much better place because you're finally getting to a deeper level of grieving because you're allowing yourself to feel. I've heard before that feeling the feels is actually redundant, right? Because if you feel something, you feel it. You can't feel the feel. I mean, maybe you could just feel it deeper. But when you do get to this stage, it means that you are slowing that nervous system down so that you have the space, the emotional space to actually start to deal and adapt to what's happened. Okay. So for chronic illness, this was when I started to get really sad about what had happened. And I thought at the time that it was a really bad thing, but it was what I needed. I needed to be, I needed to, I needed to be sad over the fact that my life was going to be different now because it's hard. If you lose a loved one, the worst thing you can possibly do is look at yourself and say, why are you so sad about this? If there was ever love there, the opposite side of that love when you lose them is going to be immense feelings of sadness and loss. When you get to the point where it's so hard and what you lost feels so terrible that you are in a state of depression just instead of making yourself feel bad over it remember that you are truly progressing you are feeling everything that you need to in order to get to acceptance which is the next stage and acceptance is what it is what it sounds like you know the more i read and the more i look into healing and even death and spiritual leaders and teachers, all of them have a message, and it's the same message that I came to in my own healing journey without having read anything, but as I started reading, I was like, this is it. This is what I've been talking about. My account is called River and Quill because <laughs> when I was sick, I just got to a point where I said, I do I can't change what has happened, and maybe I will wake up tomorrow and I still won't be healed. But I am always healing, and I am going to release myself into whatever may come and see this moment in front of me as beautiful. Yeah, I might have pain, but my daughter, she is smiling and she is hugging me, and I can feel her warm skin against my cheeks, and that is. Fucking beautiful. And I was tired of letting those moments pass by because I was so sad about what had changed for me. I was so sad that I was not healed, that I was losing myself in the present. And the whole idea of acceptance, I believe, is really just surrender. Not that you have to be happy about losing something so dear to you, your health, uh, your loved one, your future. Sometimes it's even your own life. You don't have to be happy about this. But I promise you, the moment you get to that surrender, that acceptance, you're going to feel an overwhelming sense of peace. People of certain faiths call it the peace of God, Peace that passes understanding. But I think any of us that have gone through loss, and most of us have, you do get to, and I call it sort of like the breath after the cry, like you you experience all of the grief and then you breathe and you get that hug from that person that you love, or you see that flower that came up through the snow and. You lose sense of right and wrong and you just feel what is and is beautiful in front of you. I guess I could talk about acceptance for a really long time, but it's a really beautiful thing that you will get to and what will happen is you might have acceptance and then you will see a photo of the person you loved or you will see people holding hands out in public and you will remember how much you missed that. And it'll hurt again. And the pain will be there again. But friend, it's okay. (laughs) This is what grief does. Lie number two, debunked, is that there is a correct way to progress through grief. There isn't. Okay? And I hope those stages help you a little bit in just validating what it is that you feel when you grieve. Final lie, lie number three, is that time heals all wounds. I hit on this earlier, but time will not take away all your pain. You may get to a place of acceptance. There will still be pain. You will still have it bump into you. I had a guest, Christina Hoyer, that said that grief is like a ball in a box. At first, after you, you're lost, it's a, it's a giant ball that bumps around almost constantly against the edges of the box because it's so big. Over time, it'll get smaller and smaller, but it'll still occasionally bump against the sides of the box and you'll still feel it. So the wound won't be completely healed but it will hurt less, it'll hurt less frequently, and it will probably leave a mark. <laughs> and I'll say that the less you deal with it at the time, especially if it's something traumatic, the more it's going to bother you in the future. With trauma in particular, you know, I, there is no specific way you're supposed to progress through grief. But if you do deny the emotions that naturally arise, You can get yourself into a problem that when in the future you experience something similar, it's all gonna come back. And in my own personal experience, it manifests in my body. So if there is something that I have not progressed through, that I have not accepted, or that has just been too hard to deal with the trauma, it comes back in my body. So what are some ways that you can do that? You, you, you don't want to have that happen. So what are some ways that you can release the trauma, release the pain? These are all things I recommend for healing disease as well. So when you're healing trauma, in a way you're healing your illness because I really believe these are interconnected. But you can find there, there are lots of really great resources and I can list some below one that I've found is where you meditate and you meditate on the trauma and you locate where it hurts in your body. And I know this sounds totally crazy and weird, but promise, I promise you, it's so great. And you clear the negative energy from your body through this meditation. It's a guided meditation. Other ways to clear is honestly just through exercise or through being in nature, crying, crying. Letting it out, however works for you. Creativity, huge for trauma recovery and releasing the trauma. I have whole episodes on that. I have blog episodes on that that you can look into. But things like writing and painting, whether we realize it or not, we think we're just doing this silly exercise. It actually can reduce pain. And there are studies coming out talking about how it reduces the effects of trauma. So the third lie is debunked in that time heals all wounds. No, time doesn't. It does get better over time. It's not as severe and harsh, but you will still experience the pain. You'll experience it more if you don't go through the steps to release trauma before. Okay, friends, those are the three lies of grief debunked. I'm going to I'm just going to end it here if you are going through grief right now there are some really great resources there are therapists out there that are specifically trained in grief I'm not one of them but I would be more than happy to talk through with you in a session what you're going through and put and guide you in the right direction Grief is something that I talk about with my clients all the time Whenever you go through a chronic illness, it is something that you will experience and it's something I've lived and researched. So I'd love to help you go through that, talk you through that and set you in the right direction and to get your footing. Remember 10% off if you book a session with me. I guess I just, I want to end this with whatever the loss is, it's so, so real And I don't want you to allow anyone or anything to minimize the pain that you are going through. And I hope listening today doesn't minimize that. I hope that it validates what you feel. I also hope that it empowers you to know that there is going to be pain in your life. Any single one of us who who lives on this earth, we are going to experience pain. Why? Because we experience joy because we experience love. And the opposite side of that is pain and loss. And if we can get to the point of acceptance, which you don't have to do anything to get there other than allow yourself to experience the grief, you can get to a point of surrender if you can allow yourself to see the beauty amongst all of the pain. It's the river, friend. It's surrendering to the beauty of living. And that means sometimes accepting the excruciating pain that we risk when we love and we live. But what a beautiful thing it is that we get to experience the opposite side of pain. And it's even beautiful that we experience the pain because it's evidence of how deep we love. So you're going to be okay. I know it might not feel like it, But everything you are experiencing now, if you are grieving and you are grieving hard, it's going to help you get to that sense of surrender. There's nothing wrong with you if you're sad, and there's nothing wrong with you if you're angry. And I just want you to know that you have a friend over here. And if you ever need to talk to someone, please reach out, even if it's not through coaching. Just DM me. You're not alone in this. And there is joy and hope still, even now, right now. You don't have to wait for the grief to be over. You don't have to wait to get to a certain stage to see all the beauty still surrounding you. Okay, friend, that's all for now. If you have any questions today, send them my way. You can email me. You can find me on Instagram at River and Quill. And remember, 10% off for coaching if you sign up and say podcast listener. Until next time, remember to live your life chronically well.